We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Blue Wire. What is up, Nets fans? Welcome to Brooklyn Buzz. I'm Nick Faye. With me as always, Jack Manuel. And Jack, a blowout win for the Nets tonight. 111-89 over the Charlotte Hornets. Pretty much domination from the Nets, Jack. Nick, what is in those smoothies? I mean, we might, <laughs> we actually know, but Marcus Aldridge must be drinking them as well. Yeah, I mean, I'm starting to think it's that special stuff from uh, Space Jam. Maybe they had another round of that going around for Space Jam, too, because these guys are coming here looking recharge. Talk about LaMarcus Aldridge and the rest of the team. But as always, you can find the Brooklyn Buzz on all streaming platforms. But, Jack, I guess let's start with the first quarter because a breath of fresh air to have this team actually start the game right and be on the right side of a first quarter 20-point beatdown. Dude, Jeff Green outscored the Charlotte Hornets in the first quarter. Yeah. It was 12-11, to 11, Jeff Green advantage, and the Nets overall 32-11. to 11. I mean, you just saw the, the the moves that we'd been advocating for. Get DJ or Bruce yeah. Brown on the bench and get them a bit more better balance. And we, and when we as soon as we heard the LaMarcus Aldridge uh, addition, we are just like, oh, this is awesome. This is going to happen. Um, the news came before the game from Michael Grady. And I think that it just worked in so many different ways. Kyrie Irving was playing a, a real facilitator, you know, James Harden sort of role. And he just had, you know, they have those point guards just know. It's similar to like Chris Paul. It's just like, I know when guys need to get their touches. I know there's an innate feel for the game tonight. And it's going to go under the, the radar, this performance from Kyrie Irving. But I just think his leadership tonight was something that I think needs to be heralded. Yeah, and I thought he played a little bit more point guard, like you said. You know, he noticed, I think, Aldridge wasn't really getting any touches. Then he ended up hitting that three, next possession down, got him that post-touch. And then after that, you know, you started to see him get some rhythm. Obviously, he probably would have liked to hit him a couple more shots in terms of LaMarcus Aldridge. But overall, I thought, like, the effort level, too, from the team, just in terms of, like, pace and defensively, the effort level was there to start the game instead of just kind of coming out lackadaisical. 
Definitely. And, you know, a lot of that was on LaMarcus Aldridge. I think a, a lot of it also was that the Bismack Biombo matchup yep. um, was a good one for him. You know, mm-hmm. if, if it was DJ, I would have backed him in against Bismack Biombo. You know, he's sort of one of those in, in a similar sort of realm, fringe starter. Maybe Cody Zell is probably a better player than him. I think he's probably yep. a, a better performer and probably deserved the starting nod uh, ahead of Bismack. But in saying that, you know, LaMarcus Aldridge did dominate that matchup, especially early on, seeing the tone, getting guys open, look, playing incredibly well in the post, in that mid range shot hitting a three here or there and also playing some pretty physical defense and running the floor. I just thought overall he was a big part of why the Nets had that 21 point advantage after the first quarter. Yeah, I mean, I thought he was just kind of another big body. He took advantage of some of the switches the Nets forced for him, especially against, you know, Miles Bridges or even some of the smaller guys. And I felt like also Charlotte kind of overreacted to some of his post touches, allowing him to get some easy assists in this game. Uh, yeah, I mean, he's not Kevin Durant. I mean, LaMarcus Aldridge is, is good, but he hasn't played basketball in a long time. And while, yes, mid-range is his bread and butter and his you know, elite skill, you would rather him take a mid-range jumper than Joe Harris take an open three? Like, yeah. what, what are we talking about here? Uh, so, yeah, I think you are right on the mark there in terms of the overreacting from the Hornets there, Nick. But they threw a couple of different things, you know, full-court presses, some zone yeah. every now and then. And, you know, it did, you know, have some effect at certain points. But ultimately, the Nets were just able to get the advantage that they wanted um, at any sort of point in time. They were able to hit a couple of shots in that final quarter. I thought LaMarcus, you know, after two minutes of not scoring, LaMarcus Aldridge and Joe Harris entered the game. Both of them get some buckets. And LaMarcus was a, a big part of uh, both of those. So. I just think that the the addition from him, you know, you sort of compare it, you can't help but compare it to Andre Drummond's debut matchup for the Lakers. And I mean, it's a bit easier for LaMarcus heading into a team where the superstars are still there, even if it is just one of them. And I, I just thought that his debut, you couldn't really ask for more. Yeah, I think the Nets did a nice job too, and you kind of mentioned this, putting him in drop coverage, you know what I mean? Not exposing him and making him switch out there, and the Bismack-Biombo combina- uh, matchup was pretty easy for him in, in terms of like staying in the paint, but I also liked his rebounding. You know, nine rebounds in 29 minutes isn't too bad. He's also a big body down there. You mentioned some of the physicality, and I think he's just kind of an imposing presence, and I thought his hands were pretty good in this game. I think he's got good hands in general, Nick. And, and that's one thing you can't say about yeah. DeAndre Jordan. So, And, and uh, you know, Kyrie Irving and LaMarcus Aldridge, maybe they've played some games at Team USA together and some all-star matchups. But to me, it just seemed that Kyrie Irving just had a, a nice little chemistry with him. You know, again, with Claxton uh, as well when he was uh, out there on the floor with Kai. Uh, the 11 boards for Kyrie Irving, I think, something that really stands out, Nick. I think that the general tone, it was just like that the Nets were the hungrier team and the yeah. more energized team, despite the fact that they were on a back-to-back yeah they just came out just setting the tone and just coming with that juice and that energy and kind of getting the loose balls putting those extra efforts in on the contest i think is a big deal too and just some of the extra passes we saw a lot of great passes tonight you mentioned kind of running the floor for a couple guys too i think all those things kind of put together you saw some good nets team basketball specifically in that first quarter and then you have a good first quarter it's easy to carry on some of those habits Definitely. You know, there was only one quarter. Oh, no, actually a couple of quarters in the entire matchup. Uh, it was, But it, overall, it was just they, they set the tone early, uh, and that's sort of what gave them the, the wiggle room to, to do a couple of things here or there. And, you know, I thought Steve Nash, when they did get into like that 17-point range, uh, he, he made the smart decision to call a couple of timeouts, sub in some of the, the stars yeah. and, and the really good players. And eventually, you know, you don't overexert some of the guys too much. Joe Harris, 33 minutes. Kyrie having 34. Obviously, he's had some time off. So maybe get a, a those are, I just thought overall, Nick, this was a, a nice matchup. You know, national TV as well. Good to the Nets make another statement. And, you know, you got your two best players sitting on the bench having a bit of a dance-off. It's not too bad. <laughs> 
Yeah, they really just came out, like you said, Jack, and you know made a statement. Like, this is a team that they could possibly see in the postseason. Charlotte's around that 4-5 seed, and they could see them in the playoffs, and this is kind of letting them know, like, hey, you guys can't really keep up with us, and we didn't even have our two superstar, or two of our three superstars in this game. So we have our fourth year in Blake Griffin as well, Nick. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> look, it's it's a bevy of riches when you have those guys and you have Landry Shamit on his return yeah. playing absolutely incredible. First shot, bang, five or seven from three, bang. You know, he was awesome. And a couple of times here or there, looked comfortable with the ball in his hands. Uh, it's like he never left. And, you know, when Joe Harris isn't necessarily as hot as he was uh, the, last night, uh, he, Landry Shamit's just like, you know what? I can do this kind of thing as well. I can get incredibly sizzling from the perimeter and it was an awesome matchup it's like he'd never left yeah no Landry Shaman I was impressed you know coming back from injury having that amount of confidence like you said five of seven from three look good driving a couple times this game handling the basketball that's a major plus and maybe he kind of came back realizing like hey there's going to be a competition for minutes and I need to make sure I get one of these spots and if you shoot like this you're going to be on the floor because his trigger was quick tonight yeah, he just took it. He just took it. You know, he must have heard that J.J. Reddick's uh, still wanting to come to Brooklyn. Yeah. Or the Northeast, sorry. I don't want to misquote uh, the probably future Brooklyn then in some realm or another. But, yeah, in all seriousness, Landry Shemmett was great tonight. And it was great to see because, you know, he'd had such a rich vein of form before the unlucky and unfortunate ankle injury. Had the five games off and he came back like he'd never left. You know, the confidence was there. He's been shooting the ball well over the past sort of couple of months or so. 40% plus from three. And five or seven doesn't hurt those percentages either yeah and tyler johnson also five or seven from three tonight too we talked about him having a little bit of an off game last night and he kind of knew that tonight you could tell he was on he had a quick trigger as well and 15 points not bad for tj he he never has two i can't remember who said this but he doesn't have two bad games in a row it seems yeah. to me that's just the, the the sort of vet in him. He's just like, you know what? I had a poor game. I'm going to put it behind me, but I'm going to make sure I step up this matchup. And I put it out on Twitter. Nick, do you agree with my sentiments that Tyler Johnson might be the most underrated and underappreciated Brooklyn Nets player? Because we've got all these superstars, all of these guys with all the accolades, Jeff Green trying to murder people on a nightly basis. I feel like you know he's going to be in jail for a very, very long time after this season ends. But in all seriousness, do you think Tyler Johnson is getting enough love? No, he probably isn't getting enough love. We've kind of talked about it before, given that TJ McConnell comparison with just all those hustle plays being kind of that annoying defender. I mean, I think him and Bruce Brown, I know the fans love Bruce Brown, but Bruce Brown also does a lot of little things on the floor that even I catch myself missing sometimes with just the off-ball screens and getting people mismatches. Like Bruce Brown did a couple times for Aldridge tonight, but getting back to Tyler Johnson, I think you just have a great appreciation of guys like this because he never knows what his role is going to be, especially signing with his team. He could sit the bench the entire year. He's ended up playing, you know, 20, 30 minutes when the team really needs him. And that might change when Kevin Durant is back. But now he's just somebody there. He comes in and he's professional. And he's also hungry because he knows he was on the cusp of not being an NBA player. For sure. I think you make a good point there, Nick. And I think he's just been steady in his contributions yep. on and off the floor. You know, he's, he's you're just a great roster a roster filler in terms of plenty of other championship teams, whether it's a Philadelphia 76ers or a Milwaukee Bucks or a Los Angeles Lakers, would love to have a Tyler Johnson in their yep. roster. Could you imagine the value he would provide them with his ball handling, his three-point shooting, and his just veteran savvy, uh, and his ability to produce and play alongside the superstars? Uh, he's been great. And we're really, really lucky to have a, a guy like him on the roster, Nick. But Bruce Brown, bounce back game, like you alluded to, Nick. 
plus 28, led the team in plus minus. 14 points, did have six boards, including three offensive ones. Had a couple of steals, which I'm sure he'd be happy about, and 7 of 10 from the field. What did you think of the bounce back, the BBBB, the bounce back Bruce Brown game? The BBBBG. There we go. Yeah, great to see it. I thought, you know, he was a little bit less in terms of, like, thinking when he was attacking the rim. You know, he also got some easier shots tonight, some true layups instead of some of those tough loaders from a farther distance. But you kind of alluded to it earlier, Jack. DeAndre not being there or him not playing next to DeAndre at all this game opens up a lot of space. And also, I want to give Bruce Brown a lot of credit, like I mentioned before. He set a couple off-ball screens for LaMarcus Aldridge that allowed him to get the smaller defender on him. And it's just these little tiny things that Bruce Brown does that kind of boost the team to a higher level. And he can do that at a higher level, too, when DeAndre Jordan's not on the floor. And that's no shot at him. It's just the spacing thing. And then one final note on Bruce Brown. I, I definitely am drinking some of his Kool-Aid tonight. Um, he played some good defense on a lot of different guys. And I think this is kind of a great matchup for him because he can literally switch on to most of the offensive players in which Charlotte plays other than maybe a Biombo or a Zeller, which you don't really care because they're not much of offensive threats. Yeah, the second quarter, he got like a steal and transition bucket off his own pocket. You know, he was yep. just, you know, that's just what you want out of Bruce Brown on a nightly basis. And, you know, the ability, you know, when the offense is flowing, you feel yourself a little bit more on the defensive end too. You're not necessarily making those mistakes. Yep. The team is in, in rhythm and he was certainly a big part of that. And I, I like him alongside the Marcus Aldridge. I think, you know, when Kevin Durant or James Harden come back, I, I don't necessarily mind him next to Nicholas Claxton either. No, yep. I just think that there's just, whether it's vertical spacing or just, you know, uh, perimeter spacing because we did see Lamarcus also hit that three ball and when he did take it this was a a really sort of conventional you know Bruce Brown game that we we've come to expect from him at his best you know he just takes all the right shots and he doesn't necessarily play you know quote-unquote pretty basketball but a lot of people I find it really aesthetically pleasing watching him play and just the the energy you can feel it it, it reverberates through the screen and uh, he just gives his team so much energy uh, on both ends of the floor and he was a big part of just sitting the tone defense Offensively, offensively, uh, finding those spaces uh, when he could, getting those offensive boards when he could. Um, he's just a, a one-man wrecking ball out there. Yeah, and he's just another guy, too, that the Nets are lucky to have, and he just fits a nice role with a lot of the other superstars and offensive, talented players they have on this team. Yeah, roster construction is something that, you know, we, we rave about Sean Marks. You know, one of the first seasons of this podcast, I called him a goddamn wizard. Um, I, I might have to bring back that sentiment. And maybe someone on Nets Twitter has probably got some better Photoshop skills than me. And, you know, Photoshop him as a as Hagrid or Harry or give him a, a lightning mark on, on his forehead, a tattoo or whatever the hell you want to call it. But in all honesty, Nick, you know, Bruce Brown, Tyler Johnson, these sort of guys, Landry Shamit, obviously, uh, we paid a little bit more to, to acquire him. But, you know, Nicholas Claxton, obviously, with the second round pick too. You know, you need to have these quality acquisitions in some form or another, however you do it through trade, through buyouts. Obviously, we know about the buyouts. <laughs> but it's a, it's a credit to Sean Marks in terms of how he's building this team. You know, there's there aren't a lot of X's next to his name, but there are a lot of ticks as well. You know, obviously, there's, there's plenty, and we've alluded to those in previous pods, whether it's Musa or whether it's, you know, all, all these other sort of guys, uh, Alan Crabb and such, but uh, a lot more ticks than, than crosses up next to Sean Mark's name and his helm uh, as the Brooklyn Nets GM. Yeah, and I think a lot of GMs or a lot of front offices or even just fans in general or media, they'd be happy like, hey, we have 10 great players, but Sean Marks goes the extra mile, obviously, in building this championship team and making sure essentially that everybody on the roster carries some type of value. You know what I mean? Like a guy like Tyler Johnson at the beginning of the year, we didn't know how much he'd play. Now he's kind of almost, I don't want to say a crucial piece, but he's been crucial in this stretch, especially with James Harden missing time and now, you know, and previously Kyrie Irving missing time. 
Yeah, I mean, you could see him, Shamit, you know, yeah. uh, Claxton, Bruce Brown, or uh, obviously Joe Harris. I don't need to mention him, but those other sort of role player types, you could see them contributing in an eight, nine man rotation in, in postseason matchups, depending on, you know, who it is that we go up against, because you just have a level of confidence in them just to be able to produce when the, the moment comes for them, whether it's hitting the three ball, whether it's playing some gritty defense, whether it's running down in transition, whether it's easing the load up with the second units. All these guys give you something, and, and that's, and that's, uh, that's something that is is pretty good for, for this roster going forward. You know, the depth is going to be important, especially in the regular season, and has mattered a lot. It's a huge reason why that the Nets are 34 and 15 and the number one seed in the East, because the, these guys have stepped up in the absence of James Harden, Kevin Durant missing 20 games or so, James Harden missing a game or two, Kyrie Irving taking his games off when it's needed and through injury as well. It's because you've got Tyler Johnson stepping up when it matters, Landry Shamit stepping up when it matters, Bruce Brown playing well with the starters, Nicholas Claxton, you know, revitalizing himself and, and making himself a goddamn impact player. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It's all of those little things, Nick, that aren't... It's all the things... That, it's not just the superstars. It's what everyone else contributes uh, that makes the, the whole puzzle work, makes it all fit. Yeah, I mean, he obviously looks at the job. He completed the job, but he made sure he did the finishing touches too. You know what I mean? The superstars are great, but really the finishing touches are kind of what can put you over the top. And we're seeing that with some of these players. And obviously, you know, the Nets haven't done anything yet, but Sean Marks has put them in an extremely good position to do so. Yeah, the ice cream's always tastes good by itself. The soft serve from McDonald's or, or, <laughs> or Burger King or wherever else you might go. But it tastes so much better when you chuck that flake in there as well. Yeah, no, toppings are a big deal, Jack. <laughs> Absolutely. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime. In, in saying that, Nick, who else did you want to touch on? Jeff Green? It seemed like... He was murdering fools out there. This guy's 34 years old and is going to be dunking on suckers until, you know, his last breath. Yeah, I had somebody text me in the first quarter and said, is Katie out or is he wearing Jeff Green's jersey? Like, he was out there balling. He looked confident tonight. You know, 8 of 17 from the field, 5 of 12 from 3, 21 points, 8 rebounds, 2 assists, 2 steals. I mean, you just love Jeff Green. And it always seems like when an, a superstar is out, he realizes like, hey, I'm going to have to step up tonight. I'm going to have to take a couple more shots. 12 attempts from three, I think they were all warranted too. So I don't mind that number, especially if he's feeling confident because 40% is fine. 
He took the same amount of shots as Kyrie Irving tonight, Nick. Both of them took 17 shots. And, you know, you alluded to and we alluded to the fact that Kyrie Irving played more of a point guard facilitator role, which a lot of people aren't necessarily accustomed to seeing of him. You still get your incredibly special, wondrous moments from Kyrie Irving with the ball and a string like he's a goddamn yeah. artist. But Jeff Green, especially in that first quarter, it was a big part of just setting the tone, just hitting the three ball. And when that three ball is falling, and he's been hitting it like a, a goddamn mofo this season. And, you are obviously, the uh, post-shoulder injury, we were, you know, not necessarily necessarily concerned but you know we had our worries about the fact you know is he gonna have that confidence in his body and you know he just needs a couple of games to get out the yep. rust and he's he's back to doing his goddamn thing and you know it was just awesome to see because I just like and I know and I'll do Matt Brooks put it out there you know in terms of the front court rotation you know Jeff Green and LMA uh Marcus Aldridge together seem to be like a really cohesive fit at this early point in time yeah, I mean, Jeff Green is just a vet. He's very comfortable passing the ball and hitting somebody in the post and playing off of that. And Jeff Green is typically going to be the guy that teams want to leave open, especially if you have, you know, Kyrie Irving and Joe Harris out there or Landry Shamit. You know, Jeff Green, they're okay giving him that open three and somebody has to get it. And he's going to kind of live off of that. And he understood that tonight. And like you said, a really nice chemistry with him and Aldridge. Yeah, and, and look, Griffin coming back, we've obviously talked about Claxton and Griffin. I put out on Twitter, you know, as a two-man lineup, those two have like a plus 32, plus 31 net rating together in 55 minutes of time in terms of two-man lineups. I, I think Claxton, and we did see them close the previous matchup as well. You know, it's a bevy of riches in the front court in a position that we thought was a, a, an, a, an abject weakness uh, previous, in previous points, Nick. Yeah, and it was really limited too, Jack. Like there was only almost one specific skill set or you're playing undersized. You know what I mean? It was like, hey, you're playing DeAndre Jordan. He's a rim runner and that's about all he can do. But now you have this versatility in an Aldridge or a Blake Griffin or going small with Jeff Green or even playing Nick Claxton out there defensive versatility. So it's just like you went from not really having any matchup options to having multiple matchup options. Yeah, definitely. And it's intriguing to see, you know, this is the first matchup that DJ got a DNP this season. And I'm wondering if some of that is coming from Kevin Durant himself and, you know, his desire to want to get LaMarcus Aldridge and Blake Griffin into the fold. And ultimately, maybe LaMarcus Aldridge, you know, the reason why he chose to come to Brooklyn was he's just like, you know what, I'll have a word to Sean for you, mate. And I might try and get you that starting role ahead of one of my buddies because ultimately he's, he's not playing that goddamn well. And I've seen what you can do. I don't know, you can give us something offensively. And if DJ's giving us nothing defensively, then I'm sure you can give us something there too. So you know, I, I'm, I'm not 100% sure this is me trying to just, you know, uh, I'm trying to just think about it from a different sort of perspective and context. But ultimately, it was it's interesting to see because, you know, Kyrie Irving, Kevin Durant, part of the reason why they came to Brooklyn, they sacrificed, they took a little bit of a pay cut so DJ could get that $10 million a season. And now he's sitting on the bench. And obviously, we know how important he is in terms of the locker room presence. We've alluded to that on, on plenty of podcasts. But it is a, a fascinating wrinkle going forward, Nick, because, you know, will DeAndre be used in the matchups against the Knicks? against other teams, against the Pelicans, against the Chicago Bulls. I don't know, especially when you have Blake Griffin returning as well. You know, this was just Nicholas Claxton and LaMarcus Aldridge playing your center minutes tonight. You know, 30 minutes for LMA and 14 minutes for Claxton. You know, a couple of minutes here and there probably for Jeff Green. Uh, but ultimately, it's, a, it's an interesting wrinkle going forward to see how this team does figure out that front court rotation. 
Yeah, and I mean, I think it also helps to an extent that LaMarcus Aldridge is an established veteran with all-star appearances, and he does have the relationship with Kevin Durant, and it's a little bit easier to tell DeAndre, like, hey, this guy is established, he's a better player than you, and then instead of saying, like, hey, this young guy's going to come and take your spot, I or, think just... Or as much as I would like, or if it's Gorgie Jang, as much as I think yeah. he would probably impact the team, well, you know, the guys in the league just know that these dudes are established, and, and you make a good point. Yeah, and I mean, he has also the relationship with Kevin Durant, and he's super talented. And like you said, Jack, if he's giving you the same level of defense that DeAndre Jordan's giving you, his offense is a substantial plus. Like, just even his passing, his post-offense, and and if he has the potential of hitting some threes. I would have liked to see him take a couple more threes tonight, maybe spend a little bit more time at the three-point line, but I think that'll come as he gets more comfortable in the offense. And I felt like maybe tonight was a little bit of an outlier in the terms of the amount of post-touches he'll get. If everybody's healthy, he's probably not getting as many of those, but he will in the certain matchups and the super and the certain like switches where he has, you know, a Terry Rozier or a Devontae Graham on him. Yeah, definitely. And, and I think that's where it's just like, you know, you don't want him clogging up Kevin Durant's space because yep. that's where he is absolutely money from the post. And look, it's not to say that LaMarcus Aldridge isn't either, but Kevin Durant just has, he's one of the great post players in the history of the game. And to be fair, so is LMA. And so it's, it, it's look, uh, ultimately, you just want to try and have space for everyone in that yep. sort of respect. And you know, Kyrie Irving looked pretty good in the post as well. And he's looked good in every single respect of the word. So it's just good to have three-level scorers, Nick. And and I yep. think LaMarcus Aldridge isn't Kyrie Irving. He isn't James Harden. He isn't Kevin Durant. But he's got the ability to be. And I think as long as he's continuing to take that three ball, similar to Blake Griffin. You know, Blake Griffin works out of the post and he's probably a better passer and he's probably got, a, I don't know, a bit more physicality and aggression, whereas LaMarcus just has that sturdiness and and, and, and low center of gravity that he's just able to just bully guys down low. Uh, it's just... Uh, it seems to me that it's not analytic-friendly basketball to, to get down in the post, but it also leads to just open spaces for everyone else, be it Joe Harris, Tyler Johnson, Jeff Green, these sort of dudes. I like in and out basketball. I like whipping it around. The, the ball, you know, having its own sort of energy, and, and LaMarcus Aldridge is a big part of that, and KD will be too when he plays, and, Jeff, and Blake Griffin has been as well when he's been down there, so... I just like the the just general IQ and feel for the game that all of these dudes have. It's incredible. Yeah, I mean, it just adds another element to the team. Like, we've seen a little bit with Blake Griffin. Like you said, LaMarcus Aldridge does it a little bit different. He does settle a little bit for that mid-ranger sometimes. But again, you see the basketball IQ, you see the talent, and you see the experience. You know what I mean? Like, this guy probably played one scrimmage with the team, and it felt like he was pretty well fit with everybody in terms of, like, chemistry with Jeff Green and Kyrie Irving. So... I'm kind of intrigued to see what can happen moving forward. I would say in terms of expectations of what I saw from LaMarcus Aldridge tonight, definitely better than what I expected. Oh, way better than what I expected, Nick. Uh, and, and look, it's the same thing with, that we said with Blake Griffin. In saying that, who do you think has surprised you more? Obviously, Blake Griffin's played three or four games. Marcus Aldridge only the one. But uh, off this small sample size, it's not obviously a definitive answer, but off this small sample size, Nick, who's been, who have you been more surprised with out of these two buyout dudes that the Nets have acquired? Honestly, probably Blake Griffin, because I think Blake has shown even a little bit more than what LaMarcus did. I thought some of tonight was like you kind of mentioned with the Biombo matchup and just having the size and, you know, the Hornets not necessarily being a great team. But I think Blake has shown some versatility. And I think defensively, I've been somewhat impressed with Blake. Not to say LaMarcus was terrible, but LaMarcus, you have to play drop coverage. Blake Griffin has shown an ability to switch a little bit. He's made some really nice rotations. And I love the fact he's willing to take some charges. Well, I will say with Lamarcus, the big thing I've been I was surprised about was the passing. Like he yeah. was incredible tonight. You know, had a a career high in the first half. Even knowing five. where his teammates are, Jack, like how does he know that? 
Yeah, I mean, you can just expect dudes to be out on the perimeter, yeah. whether it's Tyler Johnson, Joe Harris, Jeff Green, or Kyrie Irving, whoever else it might be. But I just love that awareness and that willingness to do it. There was a, a play that, that Tyler Johnson did miss, but, you know, Kyrie Irving fed him in the post, and he just immediately kicks it out. And, and it's a, a pinpoint pass. You know, it wasn't mm. that these passes were a little bit off and the guys had to readjust their, their motions. They were just right on point. And, and a lot of it, again, is... I don't think the other teams are going to collapse as much in, as the Charlotte Hornets did and, and leave dudes as wide open uh, like Tyler Johnson, Jeff Green, Joe Harris, Landry Shamet, uh, as they were in certain parts of this game. But if they do, I, I've got a lot more confidence in LMA to be able to make that pass. You know, Blake Griffin, I've always had confidence in because it's a, a, an absolute expert level of his skills. But I didn't necessarily know that about LMA. And obviously, you know, we've watched that LaMarcus play some incredible basketball for the San Antonio Spurs and, you know, at Western Conference Finals and playoff matchups. But this is something that fits well within the Brooklyn Nets offensive scheme. And obviously, we know DJ plays a deep coverage, a deep drop coverage, and he just sort of replaces him there. So it seems to me that it's a pretty damn good fit at this early stage. Yeah, I mean, at the very least, it seems like it's going to be an upgrade over DeAndre Jordan. That's what you want to do. You know, if you have the opportunity to be a little bit better in one area, take advantage of it. And, you know, Sean Marks has done that in every piece of the roster. Yeah, thank God that it's a public holiday tomorrow for for fans around the world because I'm sure first take and all of those dumb goddamn, you know, talking heads would be losing their minds right now, Nick, based off, you know, this one game from the Marcus Aldridge, you know, he's come back to life. It, it, it's awesome to see. And I think that, you know, at, we as Net fans you know, are embracing that, hate embracing the villain's role. But it's, you know, Kyrie Irving setting a, a really good tone as a, an offense and just general in general. So uh, it's just awesome to be a Nets fan right now, Nick. But I wanted to touch on Nicholas Claxton a little bit. It seemed to me early on there was a, a little bit of jitters and Joe Harris was diming him up and he just knocks him, almost gives him concussion with that goddamn pass. But I still liked the impact that he did make. And you had Terry Rozier to that defensive list too, Nick. Yeah, Terry Terry Rozier did catch him once or twice though. So give Terry some credit there, you know, scary hours himself. But I think with Nick Claxton, I thought the thing that really stuck out to me, Jack, was the offensive rebounding. Four offensive boards, and they were not easy boards. Like he went up, there was like three Hornets in front of him. He was like, nope, going to take this right in front of your face. And that's just another way he's impacting the game. And defensively, I think you showed me a clip, by, what was it, from Steve Jones, showing yep. his off-ball defense, which is incredible. And I was watching it too, actually, during that play, and I was just like, what bigs do this? Like, who does this? Other Jared than like, Allen does yeah, it. Jared like Allen. Anthony like, Davis. Like, yeah. It's it incredible. Was, it, it is truly incredible. And it's funny, you know, when you're talking about these offensive rebounds and you're talking about this, you know, off-ball defense, I'm just like, Matt, I can't help but think about, you know, former Brooklyn that great Jared Allen because, you know, his ability to maybe not necessarily from the perimeter and then get all the way down low, show that quickness, show that aggression and show that IQ. You know, he forced, you know, the the handoff from Terry Rozier and then forced him to not get it back again and then rolls and follows him down low and then readjusts to force the miss off the Charlotte Hornets, you know, little floater mid-range shot. It was one of an incredible defensive play, and that and that Jared Allen has done where he's sort of like you know he'll he'll contest one shot and then he'll contest another one and then he'll block another one. Uh, it just shows the defensive you know prowess of some of these guys. It's just it's mind boggling. Us mere humans can only dream of having such expertise. And you know the rebounding Nick is something that he's just adding these different little wrinkles to his game where it's just like you know what I don't Jay, as much as like I like I'm, 
obviously they're going to have to get up the game because as a lob threat, Claxton is our, our number one dude in that respect. But if he's getting offensive boards and kicking it out for extra possessions as well, there's another part where you can impact the offense as well. Yeah, and three assists tonight, Jack. And obviously, I would assume some of those are off those offensive boards, like you said. So he's finding a way to be a positive, even when you know he's not necessarily having that lob threat, like you said, or having his best game. He's still a positive impact. So a lot of credit to Nick Claxton. There was a couple sloppy turnovers from him in the fourth quarter, but you know that's going to happen for a young guy. Yeah, and there's two players I wanted to highlight as well, Nick. He got the switch onto Gordon Haywood, and he just hit a gorgeous lefty hook, which I've been in pre-game, you know, I've seen him hit a a million times out of a million, so I'm like, you know what, he's going to hit this, and a lot of people were sort of like, oh my god, but I'm like, nah, he's going to hit that ten times out of ten. He's been doing it in college, too. It's his his bread and butter, other other than his lobs um, and his athleticism. And also, there was a off-the-short roll off the Kyrie Irving pass, where he got fouled, and it's just like, oh no, he's going to like, he's going to turn the ball over here, and he just uses his athleticism to draw the contact, use his stride a little bit. I'm just like... Good footwork. Great footwork, and he just seems confident when the ball's in his hands. Even if at sometimes, you know, the Hornets are are an athletic and physical team, and they were making, you know, forcing some turnovers from the Nets overall. You know, they had 15, you know, a pretty good number for the Brooklyn Nets in the way they like to move the ball. But it still seems to me that, you know, when the ball's in Claxton's hands, you are confident that he's going to do something and not necessarily make a mistake. Yeah, and I think he's starting to learn too. I think he the only time he really has issues if it's like somebody who's substantially bigger than him because they push him off his spot. But like you said, against some of the undersized guys and some of the smaller guys, you feel confident he's going to make a play. And obviously, he just needs reps. So I'm excited if the Nets can kind of keep this up and get a couple more blowouts and give him more opportunities to test out some of his offensive game because that's the only time we're really going to see it during this season. Yeah, no, definitely. And and look, there isn't that many incredible offensive players that the Brooklyn Nets have right now that, you know, Claxton doing these little things, it's it, it's just goddamn money. It's money yep. on top of money. It's the, the flake on top. It's it's gravy. It's the flake on top of the ice cream. It's the cherry on top. It's the sprinkles. It's whatever else you, you want to put out there. But, you know, despite the fact that the box score doesn't look nice and he was minus four, I still do think that he made a, a, a substantial impact on this game. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think every game he's finding a way to make himself felt in that game. And you see a lot for a lot of young guys, they'll play minutes and you don't feel them out there. They're just almost an extra. Definitely. And look, it's it, he is just going to give us something in terms of when Blake Griffin's there. I just love watching those two play. Griffin, as I like to call it, and I, as I coined on the, the last episode of the Brooklyn Buzz, Griffin, the capital city of Clacks. <laughs> City, Clackstown, whatever. I'm not 100% sure uh, of my own geography that I'm creating on the spot here. But uh, it's just really, really fun watching this kid play. And, the, you know, he's an OG. He's all the, the, the <laughs> different sort of synonyms and adjectives that you want. Um, I, I love watching Nicholas Claxton play. Uh, he brings such an energy to it. Uh, that is, it's hard not to just be drawn to him, whatever he's doing out there on the floor. 100%. Jack, anybody else you want to talk about from tonight's game? To be honest, Nick, I like Joe Harris as a passer tonight. It just seems to me that I thought Kyrie Irving really helmed and started the sort of uh, the offensive display that we saw, the offensive chemistry that we saw was just like, you know what? This ball is going to move. And we've we've criticized Kyrie at certain points of of taking some poor shots. And he maybe took like one or two of them tonight, but he's allowed to take them. He's got he's Kyrie freaking Irving. But I just thought that the ball was moving so many times. And there aren't going to be many games where Joe Harris has six assists in a matchup. Yeah, no, he really made some great 
touch passes at the end. You know what I mean? Their contest was coming to him. He hit the guy in the corner. And like you said, he had to actually like his best pass of the night hit Nicholas Claxton in the <laughs> face. If Clax was ready, that would have been a highlight dime for Joe. And also Joe John, uh, Joe Johnson, Joe Harris has passed to Bruce Brown. It was like a James Harden esque pass on that roll right there. I was really impressed for Joe. And I think, you know, he continues to kind of improve and in- increase his confidence game by game, which is playing with these stars and them kind of having confidence in him. It's it's uh, it's pretty damn awesome, Nick. The, the the way that this team, you know, has just different basketballers and different yep. skill sets to be able to attack and impact the game. You know, it's you know, if you have a have a list of players and you know you're compiling a roster and you want all these different tangible and intangible skills, you've got a, a pretty goddamn good makeup with the likes of Joe Harris, Bruce Brown, Nicholas Claxton, Tyler Johnson, Landry Shamet. LaMarcus Aldridge, Jeff Green, all these sort of dudes behind the superstars. Uh, We're pretty lucky. Yeah, 100%. And what it does, Jack, it just provides a ton of flexibility. You know what I mean, too? And then you have the guys, too, with the basketball IQ. So it's a lot of plug-and-play stuff. And that's like I was referencing LaMarcus Aldridge just kind of fitting in. And I think it's easy when you play with a lot of smart basketball players. Yeah, IQ just when other you're playing with smart players, it makes you smarter. And yeah. I'm, I'm intrigued to see as well, you know, the impact that LMA could have on Nicholas Claxton's growth. You know, yeah. you know, young bigs learning from young bigs. You know, Jared Allen. The reason why he's improving and his rebounding grew out of sight is a lot of credit goes to DeAndre Jordan, Amari Stoudemire. These sort of bigs having the impact on him. Ed Davis as well. And I think that the impact that they're gonna, these guys are gonna have uh, with Nicholas Claxton could be pretty profound as well. Especially because Aldridge is such a talented offensive player. You know what I mean? This is a guy that's dropped like 40 in a game. He's averaged 20 in a season multiple times. So it's like, hey, this is somebody that can help him develop that other aspect of his game that maybe a DeAndre and Nick Claxton, I mean, Amari Stoudemire really can't do. Very, very true. Nick, anything else you want to touch on with this matchup before? We have a little bit of speculation about the KD news. He spoke to the media for the first time today. No, I think, you know, this is a blowout victory. Hopefully it's something we can really get used to. And it's just a great opportunity to play some of the younger guys and get rest from some of your star players. Yeah. And look, the, the Nets are going to get a couple of days rest. You know, the Bulls will be on Sunday, uh, Easter Sunday. Uh, the Knicks will be on Monday. Uh, Tell me that's Pel- not just some of the most brutal scheduling you could hit somebody with. Like, hey, you're going to play on Easter and then we're going to make you play the next day too. <laughs> like, What? Yeah, it's it's rough, but thankfully the Brooklyn Nets, you know, the way they've been able to deal with adversity this season, you know, not many teams have been able to do that. And they've been uh, outstanding on the road, the number one team in the Eastern Conference in terms of their road uh, their road schedule and their road matchups and wins and losses. So they'll adjust, they'll they'll do whatever needs to be done. You know, it's everyone's are facing some level of of trying, you know, of, of adversity in, in, in terms of what the schedule is throwing at them, Nick. But in terms of Kevin Rand, you know, we did hear that he would probably be ruled out of the, the Bulls and Knicks matchups, but we didn't necessarily hear that about the Pelicans game uh, on Wednesday night, Nick. What do you think? Could we see KD back against the Zion Williams and the New Orleans Pelicans? nationally televised game i believe so i think that adds a little bit of a pop for kevin durant i think we could see him i don't think it's a guarantee but i feel like there's at least a 50 percent chance kevin durant will play in that game what were you i guess your takeaways from him speaking to the media today you know did you feel a, a greater level of confidence because of the fact that he did speak to the media and it's just like well they're not going to put him in front of you know matt brooks and, and the rest of the dudes out there if he's not coming back um, sooner rather than later yeah, definitely gave me some confidence and also always just great hearing Kevin Durant talk about the Nets because that's his team and also just kind of raving about the development and the way and the 
the journey they've been on to get to the spot they want to be, you know, especially with those championship habits he mentioned once again. So it's felt like Kevin Durant was very happy with the way the team's playing and he's really excited to come back. And it seems like it's going to be very soon. Yeah. I can't remember who put this out there, but it seems to me that the cohesive fit of the personalities adding in James Harden, all of them have a different style of leadership. And we talked about, you know, the leadership by collective uh, plenty of times at the start of this season uh, and in the preseason. And it just seems to me that all of these guys have just a great desire to impact this team individually and on the collective. KD's doing it in his sort of, you know, understated fashion, but also with his great desire, motivation, and his willingness to, to, to bring in dudes that are just talented as hell. Kyrie Irving just brings this 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 sense of joy uh, and enthusiasm to the team that's just goddamn infectious and you can't help but want to be around. And James Harden brings a level of just motivation night after night after night to just win. No matter what game it is, I want to win. And when you have your leaders doing that, including James Harden, you, know, you can't help but have that level of desire too. So I'm just loving the fit. And it seems to me that, you know, it's... It's something that I think a lot of people did debate, including us. You know, we weren't we're guilty of it as well in terms of debating, you know, what is this fit going to be like, James Hart? What's it going to be like with just Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant? But all these things are, are, are almost going to the wayside now, Nick, and people are establishing new narratives about this team to try and argue about. Yeah, no, Jack, it really is. And I think the chemistry has gone to the complete opposite direction in which a lot of people wanted it to. You know what I mean? A lot of people were hoping this team would be a failure and not have the success in which they're having. And obviously that could still happen, but based off of what we see from every game and the interactions on the bench, it feels like the chemistry and cohesion on this team is very, very high and kind of what you need to see from a championship-level team. Even just the new guys, you see Blake Griffin and Kyrie Irving chatting on the bench. You see Blake Griffin talking to Tyler Johnson. You know what I mean? And then we've talked about this in the past. All the different connections from Kevin Durant to James Harden to Kyrie Irving to James Harden to Mike D'Antoni to Kevin Durant and Steve Nash to, you know what I mean, to all this stuff and all these previous connections and the experiences that these guys have, it just really put them in a great position to do what they're doing. Yeah, the Brooklyn Nets family tree extends far and wide across the yeah. NBA. There's no doubt about that. I'll also mention, Nick, I, I wrote it down in my notes, thankfully being able to watch a full matchup, allowed me to take a few more notes tonight, was I did see, and I, I was watching a league pass with my dad, and pre the on one of the timeouts, I think it might have been actually at the end of the first quarter, I saw James Harden get off the bench and have a bit of a chat to TLC, and the guys are about to head in there, and he's sort of talking about different little things here and there. I'm just like... That's leadership right there as well. You know, and and Harden I just, was super pumped when Shamit was hitting all those threes. Yeah, I, I think that, I, I don't know, there, there seems to be just a great motivation, desire. And obviously, we are in the regular season. These games don't necessarily matter. But as I, I've said on other pre previous podcasts as well, Nick, you know, if you're not enjoying the journey, then what's the point of reaching the destination either? I don't want to get yeah. too philosophical on a, <laughs> a Thursday night just before Easter, but in, in saying that, I, I'm loving every single game of this. Sometimes the, the wins aren't as fun, or sometimes the losses aren't as fun, but these matchups are, and, and seeing our superstars, you know, looking good on the bench, throwing some dance moves, making sure they're still on. We got weird with his beard hanging out of his mask, yeah. but he's still wearing it. He's doing the right thing. So yeah, it's just it's fun being a Brooklyn Nets fan right now, Nick. And I'm going to keep enjoying this night after night after night. Yeah, and like you said, Jack, in almost every game, there's something to kind of enjoy. You know, you don't have a James Harden and Kevin Durant. Well, it's Lamarcus Aldridge's first game, and you get to see him maybe turn back the clock a little bit and hit some shots. And like you said, just the team being so happy for everyone was great. But anything else you want to talk about, Jack, tonight? The 
I want to just bring a, a couple of quotes to you, Nick, because I've seen some Lamarcus Aldridge uh, stuff. He's been chatting to the media a little bit, and he's just saying that I'm confident here. And, and in saying that, do you, do you expect him to have this smoother transition? I sort of asked you in comparison to Blake Griffin, and obviously, you know, Kyrie Irving is a, a unique player, and I'm, I say that with the, the the highest level of respect because. You know, he isn't a natural facilitator of the ball, a la Chris Paul and such. But, you know, his transition and just seamless nature to just go, you are going to start for us tonight. You are going to play 30 minutes for us tonight. We need you to produce. And he just does it. Like, it was, it was pretty crazy. Yeah, I mean, to play 30 minutes, too, especially the way they kind of ramped up Blake Griffin in comparison, it's definitely interesting. But obviously, I think LaMarcus still played in the month of March. It's not like he's been out for, you know, a super long time. But to kind of just I still am just really impressed by the way he fit in with the team and just had that cohesion and hit the guys for those. I mean, it's very rare you see a big play his first game with a team and land six assists. You know what I mean? That's just not something that's super common, especially when it's guy that's not necessarily known for his passing. Yeah, no, definitely. Uh, as I alluded to, a big note for, for what I sort of um, really noticed about his uh, performance tonight. Also, Nick, Steve Nash said this about DJ. I wanted to ask you uh, via Matt Brooks. Uh, Steve Nash says he didn't want to throw DJ in at the end of the game as a veteran. Says he had great energy on the bench. Says he's not out of the rotation necessarily, noting the weirdness of this year. Do you think we could see DJ re-enter the rotation at some point in time? Or or do you think that, you know, he's going to need to fight his way back because LaMarcus Aldridge is performing at this level? Blake Griffin has such great chemistry with the second unit, including Nicholas Claxton, James Harden, and the rest of them. What are your thoughts? I think the net, he'd have to give the Nets a reason to put him back in the rotation. You know, it, you know, it has to maybe be something with an injury, and then he's given a couple of minutes, and he plays really well. But it's not like he wasn't given a fair shot all season to earn that starting role and be that solidified center going into the postseason. He just hasn't lived up to the hype in which the Nets have needed him to. So I think it's an uphill battle for him to get back in there. I think it's more likely we see him in spot minutes if someone's injured or there's foul trouble or something like that because I think just to an extent the writing has kind of been on the wall the last week or so. And especially with this start tonight. Like this start kind of solidified everything for me because this is a guy who hasn't even been on the team. It's not like it was Blake Griffin starting or Nick Claxton. It's like literally this guy just signed with a team and he just took your job. Were you surprised about it, I guess, overall, Nick, yeah. when I sent you that tweet and it was just like Michael Grady saying that LaMarcus Aldridge will be getting the start? Yeah, I was surprised. I mean, I saw the injury report and it didn't have him on there. So I was like, oh, okay, we're going to see him tonight, probably on a minute restriction or in a limited role. But for him to get out there and start and play 30 minutes and also be featured in the offense at different points tonight caught me a little bit off guard. But I guess to an extent, it was a positive thing and it killed my expectation. So. Definitely. I, I know I'd probably echo those sentiments as well. I do also want to finish with the fact that Kyrie Irving says, um, again, by Matt Brooks, says the Nets don't have bickering in our locker room because the group wants to see each other win and put on performances as a group. We've heard James Harden say that as well. And, I, you know, you could see Kyrie Irving, you know, in, in seasons past, you know, he's all, he's mentioned too, you know, his maturity that has grown and his desire to be part of something bigger, you know, not necessarily get off his individual accolades because he's got countless amounts of those, as does James Harden, as does Kevin Durant. It just seems to me that not to, again, I'm getting a bit ex existential on this podcast, but it feels like that they are playing for a, a bigger purpose. And, you know, with the, the way they are treating and respecting the game of basketball, again, getting really sort of, you know, philosophical on this pod, it just seems to me that they deserve to have success because of the way that they are playing and the way they are leading the team and the way they are impacting their teammates.
Yeah, and I saw somebody make the comparison of them being similar to the Spurs in the way in which they play basketball, at least tonight with all the passing and things along those lines and having a lot of talented high basketball IQ players. Obviously, it's almost kind of like a mix of like them and Golden State and just some of like the characteristics of a Kevin Durant, a Kyrie Irving, and a James Harden. So it's been fun to watch this team develop. Yeah, they've certainly established a, an identity in such a rapid fashion. It feels like they have different personalities, if that makes yep. sense, because they've had to have different personalities because the, the superstars have been out. You know, there's times where James Harden will have to lead. There's times where the superstar backcourt have been together. There's times where Kyrie Irving has to lead it. There's times in the early points of the season where it was Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant. There's times where Joe Harris will go off and the other role players will have a, have a big impact. It just shows you that versatility uh, and versatility in success and productivity is going to be the biggest reason why the Nets are going to be such a hard matchup uh, in all games. Yeah, and like you said, also having everything aligned and everybody on the same page and just kind of believing in one thing. It's okay if you're not getting the minutes because we all want to win a championship, and I think it's pretty apparent by the amount of buyout guys that the Nets have landed. Definitely, and there's still one more roster spot, whether it's Alizé Johnson or anyone else, AJ and TJ, wouldn't mind AJ, TJ, BB, Brooklyn Buzz, Bruce Brown. I like any acronym going around. So, you know, who knows what could happen? Maybe Otto Porter decides to take a buyout. But, you know, whatever does happen, Nick, I'm pretty happy with how the roster's constructed at this current point in time. 100% agree, Jack. But as always, big pleasure. Big thanks to everybody listening to the Brooklyn Buzz. And you can find us on all streaming platforms. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows granger has got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.